Hey, this is Niffin. I'm Marabian, and we're back. We are back with another episode of the Old News with Cool Dudes podcast. I just hope you guys taking a nap. <laughs> we uh, we hope you guys liked the first episode about trade and also about Pokemon and BMWs and Lunchables. Oh I, yeah, uh, I won the Lunchable War. Yeah, I'm. It's whatever. You need to open your horizons. I just someone told me that their favorite lunchable. One of my students said their favorite lunchable was the uh, the nachos one. I totally forgot about that. Yeah, one. that the nacho one is the second best one next to the pizza one. The not nacho one was okay. I remember the first time I had ever had the nacho one. Uh, we took a third grade field trip to I think the Omniplex. Yeah, the Omniplex because we didn't go to the zoo. All of us kids wanted to go to the zoo instead. Yeah, and but... for you children that are listening to this, the Omniplex oh, is yeah. the Oklahoma Science Museum That's next right. to the zoo. Back in our day, it was the Omniplex, and it was a lot yeah. cooler. Uh, like all of us were really disappointed because we really wanted to go next door to the zoo, and um, but they were handing out like the the lunch lunches we packed, and my mom uh, gave them. Uh, nacho one and I was like oh, I've only had the pizza one so I was sitting there and I was like really hesitant and I just I tried it and I was like well this is freaking delicious <laughs> so yeah uh, pizza's number one and then sometimes you still eat the pizza lunchables if like I'm just like at the grocery store Walmart or Target or whatever and I see they have some in the section I will uh, I'll pick one up just for old time's sake and now they have these things called like what, oh like what is like loadables or somethingables or i don't know it's basically like lunchables except for teenagers oh i didn't know that okay do you remember whenever we were kids like watching cartoon network or nickelodeon and you would see the commercials about kid cuisine yeah man those uh sometimes the brownies would come out right and sometimes they'd be like real real, all messed up and stuck to your little tv yeah i i always thought kid cuisine because i never had one but i saw the commercials i was like i bet that is the best food in the world it looks so cool it had the little penguin on it and everything and then uh that's when i learned that tv dinners aren't actually that great they're okay like the corn was always garbage but sometimes the chicken nuggets would get really soggy yeah yeah but the the brownie when made correctly was pretty fantastic that is that is very true I uh, I cannot disagree with that. My fiance so. made lemon bars last night. I've already had two pieces today, so nice. That's doing work for me. Very nice. All right. Well, let's jump into. I'm, I'm sure we'll be in and out with history talk and then just random talk as well. Uh, but this week's episode is about a topic that Marabian. I think I spend a day in class on. Same. And, and so. It's funny because we spent a day on cl- in class on this topic, but it is so massive. I mean, you could do a full semester on this topic alone, and that is the topic of the Christian Great Schism, also known as the East-West Schism. Uh, this is 1054 when the Christian church, for the very first time, has an official split. We get two yeah. churches out of this, the Catholic Church and the Orthodox Church. It's the first time that we don't just have Christianity. We have different denominations of Christianity. Yeah, and like this is in, like it started, it happened in 1054, but not that long later, the Crusades happened and everything just got all messed up. 
Yeah, the Crusade. Well, I'm sure we'll definitely touch on the Crusades. The big thing for me, Moravian, is whenever I teach this, I feel like with one day, I have a very hard time getting the idea across that the Great Schism happened, but it wasn't some sort of... Uh, like a like a snap of the fingers, and now they're the the two branches of Christianity, the two cities that we're talking about, Rome and Constantinople, shift in their beliefs. This was something that was a slow burn. It happened over time. I mean, we're it happens in 1054. The official split happens in 1054, but for hundreds of years before that, we're kind of eventually building up to this moment. Right, it's not just like something happened and they they snapped their fingers and they split apart. It's a very slow process of basically the relationship deteriorating over time. Yeah, it's super political. Different people from different regions had different ideas. Oh, you know that's a that's a modern topic, and it even like it reminds me of it reminds me of like American politics about how childish people can be. Uh, about like coming to agreements and coming to to uh, compromises, and also reminds me of just how split people can be in like being unwilling to compromise over really one idea, uh, and then just throwing a lot of other things coming in a little bit later, and then you get there, there, it involves more than just religion; it involves this idea of like racism, and it starts to involve this idea of discrimination on people that speak different languages and then that goes to like where you're from and it's a there's a lot of there's a lot of stuff in this and it happens for multiple hundreds of years and they tried to heal it multiple times and multiple times it failed yeah i think that's the big thing what you just mentioned there is that it's not just theological it's not this split isn't just based in Christian belief and one side believes one thing and one side believes something slightly different. It's a combination. It's communication. It's political. Uh, it's linguistic. It has to do with language. Uh, it, it's a ton of stuff. And so I guess in order to really explain this, we have to turn the clock back quite a ways and talk about when when Rome falls, the city of Rome falls, and we start to see the originally what was called East Rome, West Rome, and then eventually the Byzantine Empire, where the the main capital gets moved over to the city formerly known as Byzantium, but after Constantine takes it over, it's known as Constantinople. That's mileage-wise, that's a big gap from Rome to Constantinople. Yeah, it's right. like on the op- it's on the complete opposite side of the Mediterranean Sea. Exactly. And so <laughs> this is an era with with no telephone, no telegraph, no email, like they the had no knowledge of North and South America existing. So exactly. the Mediterranean Sea was literally the middle of the earth. That's what so, it translates to. Yeah. So communication is difficult because if you are wanting to communicate, if the leader of the religion in Rome and the leader of the religion in Constantinople want to be in communication, you're talking having to, to send a messenger uh, via like delivering a message just from memory or something written down like a letter over a large swath of land. It's going to take time to do that. You have dangers on the road. Uh, you have like environmental issues like rain and drought. Um, if you take a boat, you obviously have a lot of risk there. So just the communication aspect of it 
trying to to get messages back and forth from the Pope in Rome, and then in Constantinople, they had what was called a patriarch, which yep. was basically just the the male leader of the Christian faith in that region. If those two guys tried to communicate, I mean, it's it's a very long and difficult process just to get messages back and forth. So would you say they were excommunicated? Heyo. I like we like that joke and all of the students that listen to this are going to be thinking like what the heck are they talking what about? What does excommunicated even yeah. mean? So as the and and you have to also consider these two cities speak different languages. So not only is trying to get messages back and forth difficult, but then the translation between those messages, right? Uh, even today, like you ever see a tweet, Morabian, that's in a different language and you click on the tweet and then you click translate tweet and you can make out what it says, but it's like it translates it basically to broken English. Yeah. I mean, you know what makes, I'm talking yeah, about? Yeah, it makes sense. So that's the same thing that's happening here, except back then a very, very small percentage of people are even literate. Most people can't even read the damn thing. It's true. I mean, I can't even read, so. <laughs> what's the What's the vine? He says, hey, what's up? I'm 16, and I never learned how to heckin' read. Yeah, I'm, I'm Jared. I'm 16, and I learned how to read. <laughs> I miss Vine. Vine, vine uh, that was a good era, Vine. Yep. I miss, so I some of the notes of I have here, Robian, um, the, early on there were five major spots for Christian authority for where Christian leaders were located, kind of in cities that had large populations that could influence people around them. Those five cities were Rome, Constantinople, Alexandria, which is in Egypt, Jerusalem, which is in Israel, and Antioch, which is in Israel. was in what is now present day Turkey. Oh, that's right. So kind of all situated on the eastern Mediterranean Sea. But when you look at a map of these five cities, Four of them are kind of close together, and then Rome is the outlier. The other side, yeah, yeah, and that makes so sense. It, it's you almost just start to get a geographic divide there that starts to lead to this schism. Yeah, and then like you have the Latin-speaking folks over in the west near Rome, and then the people, of course, in the east are more Greek-speaking, and you start to see a geographical divide and people speaking. Uh, Greek and people speaking um, in Latin, which is, of course, a dead language um, now that people are being taught in school. And uh, and uh, you see a, a split just in language. And like you said, in those cities, um, that's going to cause a big issue later on the, down the road. Definitely. And these cities like Constantinople, like Alexandria, Jerusalem, Antioch, they all culturally have things that are similar where Rome, again, is kind of the outlier here. So you can really start to see this separation between East and West, where if all five of these cities are communicating because they're the five central hubs of Christianity, you can start to see why four of them would kind of band together and Rome would be a little bit of the outsider just because linguistically, culturally, the four basically Middle Eastern cities have way more in common than Rome. So so we really start to get this split 
on multiple levels before the church even splits because you would assume those four cities would be in more communication with one another. They're closer to each other. They, I mean, if it comes to a matter of a vote, they can outvote Rome four to one. But still, Rome is kind of still at this point considered the central spot of Christianity. Rome is where the Pope is. Yeah, I mean, he's he's like the dude with the funny hat is the one that's supposed to be the leader of all Christendom. The dude that controls Christianity and is in direct communication with the Lord seems pretty important, but he's on the opposite side of the sea than everybody else. Exactly, and so this this division starts to build over time firstly just because of the distance secondly because of the the geographic layout of these cities but then also with culture so yes rome is isolated but as time goes on cities like jerusalem antioch alexandria are on the front lines of the rise of islam so we start to see changes uh, in those areas because of another faith kind of starting to rise up, uh, which is also going to influence their decisions on how they move about the faith compared to what Rome does, because Rome, again, is isolated. So the issues and the, the things that affect the other major Christian cities are different than what Rome is experiencing. Yeah, and, and it, it, it's just like, they, they have a lot of differences, and people start to think, you know what, like, well, Christianity is it's cool and all, and they said, well, why don't, why can't we live like this, and why, why can't we have this in our church, and people start to question uh, Christianity, and you have to imagine a lot of the times a lot, the Bible and religion itself was all still in Latin until Martin Luther comes around and, and um and they have the Gutenberg press and they have everything like widespread. So everything is in Latin. And so like people are like wondering, especially people that speak Greek that maybe don't even read Latin. They're like, uh, Hey, why don't like church is cool, but like, why don't we do this? Like, why, 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 why can't, why, why can't clergy people get married? Like, like the rest of us. And so like, they really start to have different ideas, but all of this is centered around, one major issue and because like you like you said antioch alexandria um J jerusalem and constantinople which is now modern day istanbul and turkey they started to have different ideas or they started to have an idea of you know what church was like and what christianity was like and then the romans they sort of changed something that was super important yeah and and here you would be speaking of the Philoquy, which uh, my notes say the Philoquy is a really, really big deal. Yeah, they got but, angry. But it is also kind of confusing to me. And before we started this podcast just a few minutes ago, we were talking about this, and you explained it a heck of a lot better than I think I ever could. <laughs> uh, so will you kind of explain what the philoquy is and why it became such an essential issue that these two sides of the Mediterranean are willing to split the Christian church over it? All right, so most people, um, especially if you're a Catholic or a traditional, tra traditionalist as far as like Christianity goes, knows what the Nicene Creed is. Sometimes people will call it some sort of Lord's Prayer. And the Nicene Creed 
it begins in itself saying, I believe in the Holy Spirit, the Father Almighty, maker of heaven and earth, who proceeds from thy Father. That's the first stanza of the um, the Nicene Creed. Of course, the second stanza goes on to say, I believe in one Lord, the only begotten Son of God, born of the Father before all ages, yada yada. Uh, but the philoquy that you mentioned is what the Roman Catholics added on to this because it both the Roman Catholics and the Orthodox Christians in Constantinople on the east side, they said this creed for the longest time, but then the Roman Catholics added on. They believed in the Holy Spirit, the Father Almighty, maker of heaven and earth, who proceeds from my from thy father, and the philoquy is this. The Romans added from thy father and the Son, suggesting that the Holy Spirit comes from thy father and the Son and not just the Father. And that was a really big freaking deal uh, to the Christ, uh, East Orthodox Christians because they're like, no, that's legitimately not how things worked. Uh, they, they said that that's, that's not a thing. Everything comes through thy father and the, the, the son is of the father. So it would make no sense to suggest it wasn't of just thy father. So that was the first major, major, major dispute. And of course, there were a lot of other disputes that they had, but that was the one that came to a head and really started this rivalry off. Yeah, and, and it's it's wild because, I mean, as far as theology is concerned, you're talking about probably a pretty big deal here. You're yeah. talking about— It's like, oh, it's just a couple of words. Well, man, those couple of words are pretty big deal. Exactly. You know, there's there's two perspectives to it. Yeah, it's one sentence. It's a huge deal on, on one sentence, one line in this, in this basically this uh, uh, announcement of your faith, but that one line meant a lot to a lot of people. And another thing— that I think is important to keep in mind as we talk about this is for the average common person in Rome or the average common person in Constantinople, none of this was really that big of a deal, right? I mean, they can't even read the thing to begin with, yep. you know? Uh, and, and so for them, it, it was a little bit over their head. We're talking, when we're talking about these disputes, we're not talking about, the vast majority of people. We're talking about that select few that are in power. Yeah, it's like average people like you and me, we'd be like, oh, so we're changing the prayer? That's weird. Uh, so if we're in Rome, if we're in the east side of the Mediterranean in the Byzantine Empire, we'd be like, oh, they're trying to change the prayer? That's weird. Why are we doing that? And then, of course, the emperor would be like, no, we're not changing the prayer. And then that's where, uh, that's where you're going to get a lot of division, and then a lot more will happen. And it's like, it's like, yeah, it's just a sentence, or it's actually just like three words and the sun. Um, but that's the difference between, you know, saying, oh, Michael Jordan won some basketball, won some basketball titles. And like, oh, Michael Jordan not only won some basketball titles, he won like six rings. So it's important to bring up like, okay, you know, that, that, make, that makes a big difference in how things are. And remember, Christianity had been existing for hundreds of years at this point. And they've been doing the same thing for hundreds of years at this point, and now you're going to change it and to suggest it's not just the language. It's like, okay, you know, it's just in the sun. Like, it's not that. It's the meaning behind it as well. But again, normal people, average people that just go to work, go back home, pet their dogs, and go to bed, like, they didn't really care that much. Yeah, and, and you touched on something there. At the core of a lot of this is politics. It's about power. Again, the, the average people 
are kind of indifferent. They don't really comprehend what all the, the people in power are doing. But the Pope is incredibly powerful. He has more influence at that point than anybody else in Europe, more than any king, more than any leader. The Pope is is kind of the central authority. And yeah. so th- this next part I, th- I just thought was fascinating and r- also really important. So the year 858, uh, again, to, if I rewind about seven minutes in this podcast, I talked about how the Pope is the, the Christian leader in Rome, but in Constantinople, they have a patriarch who is basically the leader of the faith in Constantinople. Well, in 858, the emperor of Constantinople, Michael III, got rid of the patriarch, and he put somebody else in his place. He didn't like the patriarch that was currently in charge of the faith in Constantinople, so he fired him and hired somebody else. Well, the pope over in Rome, Pope Nicholas I, caught word of this, and so he summoned a council. He brought in some high-ranking uh, Christian officials, summoned a council, and decided this was not okay. The emperor is not allowed to do this. So the pope said, all right, the guy that the emperor just put in place, he doesn't count. I'm putting the old guy back in charge. And what this basically said was that the pope was claiming that he had the authority to do this over the emperor. The pope was saying, I have more control than the emperor of Constantinople. Yeah. Amidst, so uh, amidst uh, it's a political Church, rivalry. Yeah. The Catholic Church was the most powerful, powerful institution of like the world, and they were deeply corrupt. Yes, I mean to 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 make a modern um, comparison here, this would be like the president of the United States uh, making a law, uh, saying something that this has to go this way, or I'm firing my uh, my head of I don't know CIA, right? And then the governor of New York, because we all hear about him all the time now, Governor, uh, is his name Cuomo? Is that Cuomo. how you say it? Cuomo. Uh, saying, uh, no, actually the CIA guy, he's going to stay in charge. And like that would be like the governor of New York saying, uh, the president's word doesn't matter. I have more control over him, so I'm saying this happens. That's going to create some issue between those two, obviously. And so it it's... Even more than faith-based, it's really power-based. Who has more authority? The Pope is trying to flex his muscle and prove that he is more in charge, while the Emperor is trying to do the same. And so there's this constant back and forth and back and forth. And again, we've, we've mentioned some of the main examples, but there are a lot of little minute details that they differ on as well that just cause bickering back and forth. Yep. And so, so it all comes to a head in 1054 when the Pope and the Patriarch both decide they have a mutual excommunication. <laughs> That's so funny. Yeah. It, it's, you have to imagine how that worked. It was both religious leaders excommunicated each other. So you have Solarius uh, from the eastern side, and he's like, you know what? I'm excommunicating Pope Leo the Ninth. And then Pope Leo the Ninth is like, "Well, screw you! I'm excommunicating you too." Then, and so they're both they're both excommunicated 
from yeah, and and the, the will, you, will you explain what excommunication is for those listeners who don't know what that term means? It means you are cut off from that religion. We're gonna act like you don't exist anymore. Yeah, I, I've I I've made this comparison in class. You maybe have as well. But this is like um, your girlfriend saying, "Hey, I'm breaking up with you," and you're like, "You know what? No, I'm breaking up with you." And she's yeah. like, no, I already broke up with you. No, I'm breaking up with you too. And it's like this, it's just, it's childish really is what it is. It's pretty funny though, because you know, they didn't do this at the exact same time without others, the other, the other one thinking, oh, I'm definitely going to excommunicate them. You know, somebody excommunicated somebody first and yeah. the other was like, well, screw that guy. I'm going to do it too. So they, they both just came out as completely separate. Definitely. And so... This joint excommunication basically splits the Christian church. It we was a have, mutual breakup. Yeah. We have two branches of Christianity now, two ideas of how the Christian faith should proceed. Now, in the West, in Europe, we're going to see the rise of the Catholic Church, right? And the Catholic Church dominates Europe. It's the largest branch of Christianity in the world today. I cut down some large branches in front of my house the other day. Yeah, I heard about that. I took a massive tree. It's a big maple tree. I heard uh, there was an unfortunate incident with a squirrel as well. <laughs> so, so like the guy, the guy calls us right, and he said, "Yeah, we're gonna come pick up the rest of it later because they 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 cut the trees and the trunks in half in a lot of areas so they could haul it off, but they left this one massive trunk that they're gonna come get tomorrow." And they're like, "Oh, by the way, there was." an unfortunate event that happened and i was like go on and they said well when we were like like lifting up logs they said they, they found blood everywhere and they thought they had killed a cat and i was like oh my god and this, i can't do this you're laughing and then i guess they rolled over a log and there is a there is a dead squirrel and I was like, oh, oh my goodness. And then they my said. My man's was just chilling in his house in the tree. <laughs> yeah. But like, here's the deal, though. Like, they said they threw, they threw it away, right? I was like, okay. And then I went out later in the yard. And um, now that there's not a big maple tree there, uh, we have the stump, but we're going to get rid of that eventually. Like, now the sun, like, just completely beams down in the front of the house, which is nice. So you can actually see, you know, like, everything else instead of a big tree. I went to go pick up some the smaller logs that they missed so you know uh, a lot more grass can grow since now the trees and shading over it and I found a part of a squirrel body with no head so what did they throw in the trash <laughs> they said they threw it away I was like did they just throw this thing's head away oh my gosh <laughs> that's incredible and but then I, I went to go check this morning no squirrel body so like that something some, ate it something yeah, ate it I'm, I'm pretty sure the cat next door did probably man poor squirrel yeah i felt really really bad and then i saw a squirrel on top of my house just like hours later and i was like oh man he's really upset at us because we ruined his house so like and probably killed his wife now he's on top of my house and like think of all like the random acorns he hid yeah, he's tree. probably going to get in your attic now. Probably. Uh, all right, so so we have this break in Christianity. <laughs> Europe is going to become Catholic, while the eastern side 
over in uh, Eastern Europe, Russia, uh, places like Turkey are going to become predominantly Orthodox. And so two different churches that aren't accepting the other side's beliefs. Yeah. They stay excommunicated. I found this fascinating, Morabian. They stay excommunicated from 1054 until 1965. Yeah, it's pretty unbelievable. And like they, they say that, and but the interesting thing is they, they say it excommunicated, and then like the Crusades happened like in 1090-something. I think it's 1096. If I'm it was part- just like 50 years later. Yeah, and um, the Crusades happened not that long later, and the Byzantines, it, they were having a lot of pressure from the Seljuk Turks, the Muslims that were in that area, and they called upon help from the, the Roman Catholics. And they said, hey, uh, these people are invading our land. Like, I know we're, we have our issues, but, like, we're both Christian. Can you come help out? So, actually, they did. Um, the Pope Urban, I believe, Pope Urban, I can't remember which one he I think won. it's the second. I, I think, think it's, it's Urban the second. I think it's the second, too. Um, Pope Urban II was like, yeah, sure. Like, everybody that goes and fights for the name of the Lord is going to get into heaven. And then, um, so there are multiple crusades because the crusades have start, but then there's like several crusades lasting over hundreds of years. And then in the fourth crusade, because like when I teach this topic, I always say the fourth crusade is incredibly awkward because the crusades are just, um, both these people in the Middle East fighting over the Holy Land in Jerusalem and Antioch and other places like that. And... But in the Fourth Crusade, the Roman Catholics diverted from going in fighting with the Muslims, and instead, they actually went to Constantinople and brutally murdered thousands of people and sacked Constantinople and really tried to take that back, too. And so that really just kind of like, if their relationship was already kind of screwed, it got worse then. Yeah, this was kind of the nail in the coffin. You said you were going to go help your boy uh, in this fight where he was going to get jumped, and instead you show up at his house and just beat the crap out of him. Yeah. At first you were helping him. Then you were like, well, I mean, like, while we're here, you, they, they just kind of took everything. And then I think it's funny, though, because they had several councils. Like they, the, the, the two groups met at the Council of Lyon, and they actually generally agreed to, you know, say, all right, fine. And even... The uh, the Orthodox Christians said, "All right, fine, cool. We'll let the and the sun slide. We just like we need to let this thing heal." And then uh, came to a council, and it was rejected. And then another two hundred years later, roughly, they tried to come to another council, and it was rejected once again. So like they tried multiple times, both sides to get together and can consolidate their differences, but there was just too much there uh, because of the what had happened in the past and then like of course they by this time they had already developed different ways of running their churches and especially like their ceremonies with their communion marriage within the church who the rulers are who who can have icons and who cannot have icons um and then you already have a division of geography uh, language barriers and they just said you know what we're just gonna cut it dry Yep. So so that cut and that division stays in place until Pope Paul VI and Patriarch, I, I'm going to butcher this name because I'm awful with Greek names, Athenagoras? Sure. 
I think that's how you say Athenagoras, um, met in 1964. They met in Israel. It's Athenagoras. Uh, Sorry. uh, Okay. Um, (laughs) They they meet in 1964, and they agree to end... That's when my mom was born. ...the excommunication. I think that's when my dad was born. My mom is the... Our mom and your your dad and my mom are the reason why. Yep. God bless them. So they... In 1965, the 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 excommunication is officially... Um, like removed, so both sides can now uh, essentially worship together. What I, what one of my favorite parts about this entire deal is not. It, I mean, like, yeah, there's drama, and that's always fun. TNT knows drama, um, <laughs> but uh, one of my favorite things about these two churches is the architecture, because regionally where they were and how it's super different. Because oh, yeah. you have the Roman Catholic architecture, like very. Um, stained glass, super big buildings that are super triangular, if that makes sense, and super uh, gothic architecture. Like you, you like go to France and you think of uh, Notre Dame and stuff like that. Yeah, or you and, look at like the Vatican, and you look at the Vatican, and then you go to the Hagia Sophia in 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 its modern day Istanbul, and you look at a lot of their churches, and it's super infused with. Because of the Muslims, the, the massive Abbasid and caliphates and Muslim empires that were there, they have a massive fusion of architectural ideas and how things are run. Like you look at churches in Russia, those are Orthodox churches, and those things look so different than the ones in Western Europe. So that's the thing that's most fascinating to me is architecturally because of where they were regionally and the people they enacted with I think their ethnicities and nationalities that that about of course how they go about their services but also like where their services are held the architecture is so different and I think that's so freaking cool yeah I mean and not to get too far off track here but this same idea with Islam if you look at mosques in the Middle East I mean they're beautiful and they're very domed and circular whereas Whenever Islam spreads into Africa, you look at Western African mosques and the architecture, like it almost looks like sandcastles in a way. And it's very angular because of both culturally and the material they have to build with is different. Yeah. And so two houses of worship that are the same faith, but just look totally different because of culturally where they're located at. Yeah, it's pretty interesting. It's like it's it's, it's just like the Al-Andalus in Spain, where you have the Muslims from Northern Africa traveling to Spain and creating these weird-looking buildings because the, these Muslims interacted with the Christians and all the other people there that were there and started building things, and it looked pretty wild. Yeah, interesting stuff. So, Morabian, uh, we're at about 35 minutes here. We should probably wrap this one up. Uh, any other thoughts about the East-West Schism uh, before we end this episode? I just think it's very political, and I, I really just, it, it's it's unbelievable to me knowing that this was such a big deal, uh, despite having all these other religions out there, and now today, because of Martin Luther and the Protestant Reformation, you have hundreds of denominations of Christianity that people aren't even aware of, yep. um, that are just subtle differences, and then there's, of course, a, a different branch of Christianity called non-denom, 
And people are just like, yeah, you're Christian, cool, whatever, just show up. And like, they just do preach the word. So it's like you have so many other different types, but you come from here and it's, this is, this is it. You have one religion of Christianity and now you have two. And keep this in mind, this really bugs me when like parents suggest that these things are not the same thing. C Catholics are Christian. It's actually the original version of Christianity. It blows my mind when people are like, no, Catholicism is different than Christianity. No, it's, it's not. the original. They are the OGs. Yes. They're the original version of Christianity. You should actually take that as a compliment and not be angry when you're like, Christianity is different than being Catholic. It's like, oh my gosh. Yeah. That bugs and, me a lot. And I think what you just hit on, uh, right before you said that as kind of the the crux of all of this is this is today we have hundreds of branches of Christianity. Yeah. This is the first time we get a split. This is kind of the watershed moment. If it can happen this time, why can't yeah. we do it again whenever somebody else is Catholic but maybe varies on something a little bit different, kind of like what Martin Luther did. Yeah, right? Like we like we and, talked about before the podcast, like the Muslims they have two, they, they're split into two main, you know, ones, but there are several hundreds of underlying ones. But the reason why they split is really, really similar to the difference in the prayer to the, to the uh, Nicene Creed that they would, like the Philoquy that you mentioned, that uh, that's why they are no longer together. And so it happens to, every, to everyone. Exactly. You know, and so, yeah, this is kind of the watershed moment that says, if we can do it now, we can do it whenever. They, they set the precedence here for other branches of Christianity to be allowed to exist. You know, if, if you can do it this time, why can't you do it again in the future? And that is why today we have hundreds of branches of Christianity. So, good stuff. Hey guys, thank you so much for checking out Old News with Cool Dudes. Marabi and I appreciate you guys listening in. Uh, we hope you're enjoying them. Um, let us know what you think about Kid Cuisine TV dinners. That was yeah. an important part of this episode. Uh, if you have any questions about the filiquy, about any part of the East-West schism, you can always holler at us. We're on Twitter. I'm at Mr. Underscore Niffin. Marabian, where can they find you at? At Marabian, W-H-A-P. You so can go ahead and about detreeing your houses, too. Oh, yeah. And if you have any questions about what happened to that body, uh, <laughs> that's a... Uh, <laughs> What happened to the body is always a great question. You should ask Siri that and see what she says. Um, okay. We will be back again next week with a new episode. You guys have a good week. Wash your hands. Keep social distancing. We'll talk to you soon. See you later. Siri, what happened to my squirrel's body? What happened to the body? <laughs> <laughs>